Kevin Mondro here, Coach Dro, D-R-O. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast, the podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. Coaches were dialed in to Coach John Borovich, episode 29. I would encourage any coach to go back and listen to the mindset of this Big Ten assistant coach. What did I really love about this conversation? The respect that Coach John showed for his college coach, Coach Jay Smith, and the coaches he worked for, Coach Tom Izzo, Coach Brian Gregory, Coach Greg Campy, and Coach Mark Montgomery. That reminds me, Monty, I can't wait to tell your story here soon. Mark Montgomery is a player who I pretty much idolized growing up. Come on, Monty, let's do this. However, what absolutely blew me away about John is how he shared that current Michigan assistant coach, Sadi Washington, helped him learn to become a better listener. So darn good. Thanks, Coach John Borovich, for sharing your story. Today, we are talking to Coach Marlon Smoke Williamson. Coach Williamson is currently an assistant coach for Coach Tony Barbie at Central Michigan University. Right away, Marlon details how he received the nickname Smoke at the age of five. As you soon will hear, Coach Smoke is the epitome of the term 100. I'm pretty confident that if you looked up 100 in a dictionary, Coach Smoke would be on the following page. Quite simply, Coach Smoke is as real as they get. This is an incredible conversation. Coach Marlon Williamson offers an amazing tribute to his hometown city, the coaches in Detroit who mentored him growing up, the coaches who believed in him in this industry, other assistant coaches that he admires, the game, I mean the art, wait till you hear this, the art of basketball, and lastly, an incredible tribute to be able to work in the coaching profession. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you are currently listening. Remember, we are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Please keep telling your coaching friends about this podcast. The bigger audience we can create, the bigger impact we can make with younger coaches. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram, at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter, at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Enough of Coach Dro. Let's get to Coach Marlon Smoke Williamson and tell his story. Real quick, before Coach Smoke's story, I need to tell you about my affiliate partner that I've been supporting since episode one. That friend, Desmond Ferguson, the owner of Moneyball Sportswear. Check out MoneyballSportswear.com. Let me tell you about the gear that Moneyball produces. Men's, women's, boys and girls sports attire, hoodie, sweatshirts, t-shirts, shorts. You name it, Moneyball has it. Get all your fall gear ASAP. Truly, what are you waiting for? If you are a high school and or AAU coach and you need a new set of uniforms, please reach out to Moneyball. The uniforms that Desmond and his team create are simply spectacular. Go to MoneyballSportswear.com. Shop away. Enter the promo code DRO, D-R-O, in the coupon checkout. Grow with us. Moneyball, the only way to ball. Marlon Smoke Williamson, why do you coach? Uh, it's simple for me, uh, Drew. Honestly, it's just uh, a passion. I mean, I grew up under certain gentlemen who, you know, value kids and, and you know, their acceleration in the sport. And they just value the relationship they built with not only just their team, but communities. I mean, my first touch at the sport was Greg Pickett, mm-hmm. you know, Westside McKenzie guy who came to my house every morning, all summer, picked me up. We were together from 9 to 6, 7 o'clock at night. 
you follow that with Jake Boyd, who is a West Side legend where we're from. You right. know, the guy he's coached numerous guys up and down the line from Joy Road to Chicago to Plymouth. Like he's and he went all the way from the East Side to the projects, wherever it may be. He was a he's a youth legend, to be honest. Those are the guys who kinda, you know, bridged me over from being just a kid, a regular kid, to just loving the sport itself, along with family members who, who played for these guys. You know, I wanted to emulate as their younger cousins and things like that. Made it easy for me. It was kind of, you know, it was kind of staged. You mentioned off the air, you know, I was asking you how you got your nickname. And you, you said you got your nickname Smoke when you were, what, five years old playing basketball? Five years old. My godfather, um, Fred Anderson, he would always call me that around, the, you know, around the house, family events and things like that. My mom hated it. Um, she really hated the name. So once I start playing, with the road runners and Jake Boyd, he would come to the games and he would yell it. You know, as he's yelling my name and, and cheering me on, he's yelling out smoke. And I had teammates who just kind of, you know, you hear it, you hear it. And it stuck with me. You know, Greg Grazes, Mario Welches, like I say, Dave Weber, Terriman Johnson, LeBron Griffin, Jermaine uh, Miller, those guys, they kind of stuck with me and that I became smoke. Well, Smoke, it's it's kind of funny right now that I'm getting a little older now, and I actually remember you in high school playing Perry Watson basketball camp. I remember you coming up and dominating. For those who don't know, Coach Williamson has some of the quickest hands I know. But, you know, when I always think about you and, and Detroit Cavs Tech, I just always think about, and then I just think about your Twitter handle and your Instagram handle. Everything is 313. How much does Detroit really mean to you, Smoke? Uh, Detroit is, um, I'm born and raised, first of all. Detroit, come up on Joy Road in Wyoming. Um, I take great pride in where I come from and, you know, my foundation. That's my soy. That, that's me. Um, some people, you know, say what they want to say about where they're from, the city, da, da, da. Every city has greats. Every city has bads. And that's okay. I take my city and I wear it on my back and on my chest, too, because it represents a large portion of the man that I've become. It's due to what I came up through the people that I, you know, grew up idolizing, the people I grew up stealing from as far as, you know, knowledge and, and just, you know, life. You know, Detroit has its own specific kind of way of living and certain people. And, you know, you you have to make choices every day as a young child all the way to a, a grown adult. Like, there's choices to be made in that city. And people who I looked up to as far as in the sport, they came up and made it. They made good choices. And, I mean, it's mm. it was easy blueprint slash clip note for me to see certain people yeah similar backgrounds as myself make it in the sport yeah. and i i really you know I, I give large salute to certain guys like that like that's huge for me last question on detroit who are some of the guys that you emulated in terms of playing basketball when you were younger playing guys i looked up to um i mean i had the great grays was my big brother I mean, our cousins were Doug Smith, Floyd Beard. They came up together playing. Like I said, that gold Greg Pickett. This is a gentleman who we used to rock. Greg Grays and Robert Trailer were my, we were all car buddies. We were all in that same Sundance, that red Sundance going to McKenzie, Butzel, mm. St. Cecilia every day. So these are the guys who you look at. So I have big, my first was my cousins, Keanu Boyd, uh, Floyd Beard. These guys played and played and played. And it was just like, I want to play basketball. As I grew, Got a little older. You see guys that came out of our neighborhood. Rob Trailer, salute R.I.P. to my big brother. Yeah, You know that our neighborhood, Doug Smith, Robert Trailer, they put our neighborhood on their backs. Mm -hmm. 
It's about our initial neighborhood. Put it on their backs and ran with it. You got guys like Cornell Mann, Dwayne Stevens. <clears throat> These are guys that I talk to on a regular basis. And I mean, they're, they're pioneers of our game right now, especially for assistant coaches that come from our area. Mm-hmm. My little brother's doing a great thing, DeAndre Haynes. Mm-hmm. Guys like that that I, I mean, me personally, I want to steal from everybody. You know, uh, that's just who I am. Give me something that I can take, use, and advance myself. And growing up, I mean, I was provided a lot of different people and avenues to steal from and become a better person, I hope. Yeah, for sure. You are a great person. So I have much admiration and respect, and I've known you since you were a young guy to now. You're currently an assistant coach for Tony Barbie. What have you learned so far from Coach? Uh, coach Barbie is a stand-up guy. I mean, when you start asking people about, you know, the different people that they work for, everybody everybody normally has different, you know, attributes and things that, you know, their coworkers really, really stand out on. For me, the first thing that I saw about him was just the assertiveness that he carried and the type of demeanor and, you know, swag, to say the least. Like, that swag that he puts into the job and brings to the atmosphere is different. It's like failure isn't an option here. It's just about how we're going to win, how we're going to be successful. And it's up to people who he hires, players that we bring in. You have to adjust, get on the boat, and figure a way to make his vision a reality. And that's how he kind of drives it. Like, that's that's his demeanor. That's who he is. He's one. He's one at all levels, player, assistant, head coach. And now he's back at the head rim, and it's like, here he is. He's back. You know, and he gives that certain demeanor. That's that's something that I really, 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 really stand on and admire that Coach Barbie gives. Second, I mean, he just knows how to run a program. You know, a lot of times, you know, you, you, people get their, their their opportunity and sometimes not ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, initially, not saying that they don't get ready and become great. He knows how to run a program from 12.01 a.m. all the way to 11.59 p.m. every single day. He's structured. He, he's he, he's giving the kids just enough love that they reciprocate it, and then he's giving them just enough bite to where, you know, you're going to have to do what's necessary, even if it's hard. And I mean, sitting back and just learning from him over a short amount of time has been invaluable. You know, I loved your relationship with Derek Kellogg. You guys were a great team together. What did you learn from Coach Kellogg? Coach Kellogg was probably the most difficult coach when I say this, and I want to make sure I clear this up. He's the most difficult coach I ever worked for, and I haven't worked for three guys, but he's the most difficult. I only say that because, like, that's my brother. I love him. I love him. I love his family. Like, that's my brother. So to distinguish, you know, our friendship to our business relationship that we have to have, like, that's mandated. It's it's okay to have love for somebody, but when it comes time to do business, you got to make sure that you put that in perspective and with him we had such a great relationship it took some time it took me he went through me learning the business at UMass my initial year he really did Mm -hmm. like I made mistakes in the recruiting part that could have helped us faster if I say that but he sat me down you know he he really 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 blessed me with the knowledge and the tools to become a, a a productive coach I should say not good, just productive. He made sure I was productive in areas, in the areas of being an assistant coach that were necessary at that time. And I, I mean, I just, I appreciate him because he's loyal. You know, he told me at the age of 23, 24, when I get my chance, I'm going to hire you. He came to me twice, three times, actually. First time, I wasn't ready to go. And I told him, you know, I wasn't ready yet. I just wasn't. Second time, I took the job. And 
you know, we we, we had a great, <laughs> great run, to say the least. And I mean, like I said, that's my brother and I love him. I appreciate him for everything he's ever done. And in my life, he's literally, he has a space where nobody can ever duplicate what he gave me. And that's an opportunity in the business first. Nobody will ever be able to duplicate that. And I appreciate him for it. So obviously been at UMass, University of Pittsburgh. However, what did you learn from your time with the family AAU team? Um, the family. <laughs> uh, crazy. I never played for the family. I don't know if a lot of the uh, guys that I like coached, and, you know, came after me knew, but I never played with the family. My relationship with uh, Coach Durant, Speedy Walker was just, it, it, it was it was different. You know, he always was on the other side when it came to competition, but there was always a respect as though we were on the same team, always. When I came home from college, I um <laughs> I was I was supposed to do something else with another group. I won't mention names. And I was down at Cobo Hall with watching the Persian and Riffer game. Manny Harris was playing Deshaun Sims. Pretty good and players guys, there. <laughs> yeah, pretty good, pretty good talent. And I was with a, you know some of my guys from around the neighborhood and everything went to the game. And this gentleman grabs me by my collar. Never forget it. Collars me. Like grabs me by my collar as though. You know, he put my, my, you know, my collar up around my chin. I look, and it's Speedy Walker, Durant Speedy Walker, coach. Coach tells me, I hear you're doing A, B, and C with this group. You know, you can't do that. Like, you grew up in competition with me this whole time. You're not going to be against me while you're coaching. You're coming with me. You know, you're going to be my number two guy, and i see you at practice. I'll call you with the details, da-da-da. And if you're not there when I see you, we'll do this every time. You better not touch me back. That was our conversation. That was my sit down and my negotiation. That's the literal moment when I became a part of the family basketball organization. Wow. Earning yeah. relation. That is different. You know, it, it, being a collegiate coach, it, it's, it's me living my dream with my eyes open. I mean, just progressing in my career, doing different things. That, that's absolutely phenomenal. But seeing you know, a flower blossom, babies come up and you haven't, you know, taken a part in helping that development and then seeing them grow and live their dreams at my level and beyond is something different. The family taught me that. The family taught me how to groom talent, really how to notice it, you know, to go on that road and play in, you know, events with the UIBL and things of that nature. You have to know what you're looking for. You have to know how to Choose kids, not always the best ones, but the ones that fit to help your program be successful. And, you know, when Coach provided me that flexibility to kind of, you know, help go, it was, it was, I mean, again, that's another invaluable lesson that I will never, ever take for granted. Like, I, uh, Coach Walker helped me become a college coach because he put me in play and in front of guys to help them see that I was, you know, capable of doing a job such as that. Time for a quick 30-second timeout. Coach Smoke, getting this podcast to you is all because of my friends at Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You'll also get a great-looking podcast website. They provide audio players that you can drop into other websites. They give detailed analytics to see how people are listening. To start your own podcast, follow the link in my show notes. Let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. You'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. 
and this also helps support my show, Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. Do you ever think, Smoke, about all the games you coached in AAU, how that will one day prepare you to be a head coach? I don't really think about it, but when, you know, when I'm sitting down with certain people and it comes up, because I mean, I have friends now that I coach with in AAU that are non-collegiate coaches as well. And we talk about it all the time. It's always like I will always have a certain love for the family. I mean, I can't sit over there and clap my hands for them. But, you know, at the right. end of the day, you know, you know where I stand. You know, that was a part of me. That That is a part of me. It's not a was. That is a part of me. So does that prepare you? Absolutely. You know, I want to make sure that when I, if I'm ever blessed to become a head coach, right. that my effect on kids or young men is the same as it was on the kids in the program. Like, I want them to enjoy being around me, enjoy playing for me, things like that. Like, that's that's what that teaches you for the most part. Mm. You know, and that that's that's something that I think the great coaches that I know, they value. Like, you really want to judge what a coach has been to a player that came out of college? Find out how often your players call that guy. Things like that. Like, when it's all said and done, nobody has anything they can do to benefit each other. How, how much connection do you guys have then that'll let you know the impact you have on that player and i think that's invaluable with the great guys it shows it's illustration so you mentioned cornell Mann and deandre haynes so every morning when i'm getting my son ready in the morning before school i always (laughs) glance at their instagram stories and your instagram stories um motivation you know obviously i'm raising a black son you know there's so many things i learned you know Dwayne stevens rob murphy you know i'm just always trying to take you know, bits of information and pass it and try to attempt to do a good job with my son. But one thing I'm just blown away with is just you're always advocating younger players and sometimes even players you never coached. Like, yeah. How did this come about? I mean, it's just the value of the art. You know, I, I respect the art of the game. At the end of the day, I respect it. I, I value it. I live it. I mean, it, it, that's what I'm about. Just being honest. I don't, you know, if you're somebody that I'm familiar with or that is played for me, well, yeah, I'm keeping tabs on you, of course. Mm-hmm. That's a given. And I'm always going to be in your corner simply because, I mean, we went to war together in some form or fashion. And that's okay. That, that's, that will always be. That's expected. That's not anything that's special to me. I don't find that as doing something, you know, overdoing it. For, no, that's that's what's expected. For guys that I, I'm not familiar with, to say, if I see something great, why not? Like, what does it do <laughs> – for me not to share. It's almost wrong. Mm. Again, I value guys like Speedy Walker, Jake Boyd, Marvin Bryant, Gregory Pickett, Coach William Hill, Charles and Robert Shannon. These guys gave so much of their lives to young people for nothing. Nothing additional. Nothing. Why would I not salute if I see something great from anyone? Adult, man, woman, anybody. Why wouldn't I? That, that's how I approach it. If I see something that's beneficial and I think people should see it, then I'm glad I'm going to comment. I'm going to repost it. That's just who I am. So I feel like I've also been in every one of your morning workouts this summer at Central. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like every morning just waiting for the basketball ones to be posted. I, I just love how you, you know, you touch your guys through social media, but I, I know there's more to that and more to you. So how do you develop real relationship with the players that you coach? Um, I think the initial relationship, and I say this to anybody that I've ever spoke, you know, the subject to, the easiest way to get to a player is simply get them in the gym first. That's the wall that no player 
can ever, you know, hold up long. Like if they're trying to, if you're a new coach and you're coming into a new program and you have players that didn't, you know, start with you and things like that, then you just get in the gym. Let's get in the gym and let's work. That is the safe haven. That's that's the that's the safe zone there. Everybody, you know, no lights, no cameras, no mic, just us doing what we love. You'll learn so much. They open up to you. And once you get a kid's trust, don't abuse it. Simple, don't abuse it. There is no real remedy of this is what you do. It's just be treat their trust uh with great value, simple. Everything else will come into play. Like children, young men, young women, they make decisions on people and actions very, very quick. So as you're given that window to impress them or go the other way, just make sure you're being real with them. You know, value what it is that you're doing, value their situation, value them. Don't treat them as anything else but a value and things will work its way out. Relationships grow from trust. If your foundation is fake, then again, understand that relationship is gonna grow on something that won't withstand for long. And that's been that's been my remedy. I, that's me. I'm not telling you that's the only one, but that's the one that I stand on. Yeah. So we mentioned off air, you know, obviously I worked for Rob Murphy for ten years and one of the things that Murph was uh I'll always take from Murph is he always talked about being in the mindset to perform. How do you help your players get the right mindset to perform? I think that again goes back to just the, the gym itself. I mean, and then you know, you 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 always as a coach find yourself giving personal memories to to guys, whether it be about yourself, guys you knew, things of that nature. That 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 comes that catches attention as well. But then at the same time, you got to prepare in the gym. If your thing is, you know, I'm asking a guy to pick up 94 feet for 30, 40 minutes of the game, whatever it may be, 40 minutes of the game, I want you to pick up 94 feet. Well, it's wrong for me to to ask that of somebody and I haven't literally been in the gym working with him to get to that point. And that's the whole thing. I want to give that picture, paint that illustration and then put it into action two and three times over so that when that actual 40 come, well, we didn't practice at it, you know, three hours already. We've done that. Like, I just want to, I want to make sure we literally, the picture that I'm asking, I want to make sure we live that actual activity over and over. It's just getting in the gym and work to the point where mediocrity, what we call in our school at level five, is the only way we go. Championship level is the only thing that we, we accept. So when it gets to that level, when your conversation with all your guys is always simply championship level, that's it. There is no mediocrity acceptance here. If that becomes important to you and you build that trust with that player or those players, then it becomes a value and trust to them. They'll make sure that they reciprocate that when it comes time to play. And and the carryover is special. That's when you that's when you know you're actually coaching, you know, your kids when you're getting through a message and they're actually turning that message into reality when it's time to perform. I need another thirty second timeout, Coach Smoke. I mentioned that I'm going to advocate four young coaches this month. Kevin Hickey, Koji Room, Zach Verholst, and Charles Devlin. Let me tell you today about Kevin Hickey. Kevin is an assistant coach at Concordia University in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Kevin works for Coach Ricky Yawn. Remember episode 14? Concordia is where Coach Kyle Barlow got his start too. Why does Kevin Hickey want to coach? He loves the game, but he also loves helping players get to where they might not be able to take themselves. His current role for Coach Yawn is recruiting, player development, specifically with the front court players, and scouting. How about a quick tip from Kevin in regards to young coaches? Availability is an ability. Good stuff, Kev. Kevin is as loyal as they come. As a manager for Coach Murphy at Eastern Michigan, Kevin Hickey came to the office the next day after successful knee surgery. The next day. 
Murph, myself, and the rest of the coaching staff and support staff were absolutely speechless. Personally, Coach Drew would have not left the couch for weeks. However, Kevin knew he had some specific jobs within the Eastern Michigan program, and nothing, and I mean nothing, was going to stop him. After that real-life example, I knew nothing was going to stop Coach Kevin Hickey from making an impact in future programs. If you want to connect with Kevin, reach out to him at Kevin underscore T underscore Hickey. Keep coaching, Kev, and I already know how much Coach Ricky values you. Well, Smoke, I think you're a sensational recruiter, but I think you're an elite evaluator. I mean, obviously, every time I watch the uh, Phoenix Suns in the playoffs, <laughs> and I looked at Cameron Johnson in your days recruiting him at Pitt, it just, I mean, everyone knows, you know, right there at the end with Cassius Winston, and, you, you know, the list the list is endless, the guys that you recruited at UMass, and then LIU Brooklyn. Never wanted to see smoke coming into Detroit because you knew something, you, <laughs> you know, you, you had your eyes on some guys, but like for younger coaches out there, and you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you made a few mistakes at UMass. Like, Absolutely. Could you help some younger guys out there or younger ladies that are just, just kind of getting their feet? You know, everybody wants to get on that road. What are a few tips or simple lessons you can share for young coaches? Uh, the first and probably the biggest one for me when I started off that I really just learn your head coach first. Learn, learn him. Like take time before you go out and evaluate. Learn your head coach's likes first because you can get a great player that doesn't fit your system and that player then becomes just okay. You know, Allen Iverson, I'm using this, I say it all the time, that people, Allen Iverson, what would he be in, uh, you know, a system where it was 15, 20 passes, I won't say school names, but 15 or 20 passes of possession. Right. Look a little different. Like, learn your head coach. Go and find out exactly what it is that he wants in his system, what fits the system. That's first. Two. Don't let, uh, don't allow outside people to negate you from trusting your eyes. What you see, you you were hired to do a job. So with that being said, one person in America who became a head coach, went through the ranks, believes that your vision, that your expertise in evaluating is exceptional for him. So if you go out and you see a kid and you think that kid fits your system and you know he works for your coach, recruit him. Don't allow someone else to tell you that he's higher, that he's lower, that he's not. No. Attack the process. Attack it. Because at the end of the day, a real, I mean, a good recruiter won't allow you to know exactly what he's looking at all the time. That's not going to happen. I mean, just trust your eyes. Trust yourself. And with me, I'm, I, I tell anybody, I mean, I, I had people that I, I just, I dropped the ball on. I did. Knowing, knowing what I know now, I dropped the ball on. And it was because I allowed others to tell me and give me insight from the outside. And that's not that that's not good in our business. I mean, just again, trust your eyes and learn your head coach. Learn the likes of learn learn what it takes to make what what's what it takes to make your program successful and then go get those kind of guys. Like you take guys like D. I take DJ. DJ's my guy. I mean, he he doesn't know how much I steal from him. He couldn't he couldn't even uh-huh. begin to know. But I talk to him all the time and I literally I, I steal certain things because they develop a certain culture up there to you may look at a guy and say, well, he's not this or he's not that for that level, and he's great for them. A guy that I told him, Draymond Green, a guy, coach, that Delvon Rowe up there, I'm like, I don't know if you should get – well, I mean, again, look at that. I think he I think he did okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I went up there and made the best of that. <laughs> but that's just knowing what your program needs and knowing the type of guys that are good for you. He trusts his eyes. He trusts his evaluation. and. That's what makes guys like that great. The elite guys in our profession as assistants, as head coaches, 
I mean, they, they trust themselves. So to a younger guy, again, stand on your beliefs. Stand on your eyes. If you evaluate and you see something, believe it. Don't second guess it. Smoke, you're a great defensive player. I mentioned it earlier. Like defense attributes and toughness, is that part of your evaluation immediately? Like seeing that you were such a great defensive player? Absolutely. I like guys who uh, stay on punishment, mm. you know, stay on punishment. What you mean by stay on punishment? <laughs> when you're on punishment, you can't have no company. Nobody can, you can't have company. Can't have nobody in the house. Well, our house is our pain. Mm. <laughs> keep people out of our house. Simple. When we can keep people out of our house, our, our percentages go way, way up as far as getting stops. We call them kills around here. Right. And kills, we, we need kills. Like we, 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 we have a set goal, a set number of kills that we feel that we get every game will, will, will increase our chances. This is by the numbers. They'll increase our chances by almost 40% of winning. And at the end goal, that, that, that's, that's what it is. We want to win. So when we're talking about defensively, we like guys that stay on punishment. So if you're on punishment, again, you don't, you don't, you can't allow people in your house when you're on punishment. You can't have any company. Nobody can have company. Oh, that's one of the best descriptive uh, phrases I've ever heard of a defensive player. That's awesome. <laughs> so I think you're pretty humble. You mentioned elite assistants. Well, I think you are an elite assistant. And I, I think, one, I think one day you'll be a head coach. And I know that, you know, an athletic director gets a chance to talk to Marlon Smoke Williamson. What are two sentences? What's your philosophy right now? Um, I want to be the best assistant I can be mm. at this time. That's what I am. Right. I think sometimes um, we, we, we spend too much time waiting on the next, you know, conquer the moment. Like, like really, really, you know, abuse, abuse the moment in a good way. Like we, we have jobs that, again, I'm living my dream with my eyes open every day, every day. I have to go to sleep to live my dream. And that's, that's huge. I'm doing something that I literally have done for nothing. We make a great living. We meet great people. We travel and we're doing what we love. That's almost never the case for people. Like it, it's a small percentage, probably under 5% of people in the world who actually do what they love. I'm blessed to say I'm one of those people. So for me, it's just, you know, humble to the game, of course. Again, a, a real stand-down guy, 10 toes down on just the art itself. I value the game. I value everything that has helped with me, my family, you know, just my way of life right now. It revolves around family and actually the sport. And that's just my fact. So, I mean, that that's, that's for me. I can't speak for everybody, but that's me. So you mentioned family. I think you're a sensational father and husband. Even today, you mentioned your kryptonite. Your daughter started to seventh grade. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and then every one of these uh, family vacations you guys take, I just, oh, I can't even show them to my wife. It's one of the, God, <laughs> the best vacations ever. How do you balance your career and being a great dad and a husband? Uh, you know what? Joe is not me. Really not. Um, <laughs> I got not, I promise you when I say this, like I have, uh, I'll start first with the, my wife. I mean, my partner in crime is just, she phenomenal at the end of the day. She provides me a certain comfort to be, you know, a coach and you being a coach for so many years, two decades, you know, if, if you don't have that kind of superwoman with you, <laughs> it can, it can, it can definitely be an issue when you come home to, to problems every day about your job coming from your wife. My wife supports what I do. She stands down on what I do. And again, she provides me the space. When I say space, I'm saying she just, she, she, she's there to really assist in whatever it is to make our family better. She's there for that. And I, I really, I salute her. I take my hat off to her for just allowing that. And my baby girl, I mean, you, you look at it every two, three years, you pick up 
15 new different nephews and stepsons and all that. And, you know, she, she's another one. You know, she knows, she knows who her dad is. She knows I love her. She also knows my job. She knows what comes with it at, at a young age. She knows, I mean, all her life, that's all she's ever seen was me be a coach in her life. And she, she again, she's willing to, to a sense, share her dad some. Not a lot, of, not not too much, but enough for me to excel in my job. And I just really appreciate that. I think they make it easy for me to be a great dad to her and a, a great husband to my wife, just because they allow me the space to be good at my profession. So coming home is like my comfort. That's my comfort zone. I get to come home to a loving wife, loving daughter who don't complain about those nights where I'm on the road for four or five days. I don't complain when I have to stay up to two, three o'clock doing scout reports. Understands I got to take an hour and a half, two hours, you know, a night to go talk to recruits. They get it. They want their time. And I, I make sure I give them that, of course, because that's mandatory. But again, they do understand. And I really that makes it easy for me. So I always end the podcast. What are some simple tips for young coaches? Be true to who you are. Be true. It's one thing to send your representatives, but your representatives run out. You know, that representative stage is it, okay. A lot of people do it, but at the end of the day, just be true to yourself. Be true to people that you love. Be true to your recruits. Those guys you bring in to your school, those parents that you talk to, that you promise these things to, just make sure they're true. Like you don't have to create a facade when you're doing things the right way. Just be true. Stand down. When they meet you the first time, they should never have to second guess the 50th time y'all the same person. Be the person that in 20 years that kid calls and wants to make sure that his son, his daughter is calling you uncle. Things like that. Like be a value to those kids. Like be a Jake Boy, be a Marvin Bryant, be a Greg Pickett, be a Durant Speedy Walker, be a Coach Shannon. Robert and Charles. These are guys, when I make moves in my life, I make sure they are part of it because of the value and the, the, the greatness they put into me as a kid all the way to a man now. That's right there is like what's most important. They remained value, a value to me in my life. And that's what I want to be to anybody that I come in contact through the sport, whether that be parent, coach, recruit, whoever. Well, Smoke, I love your respect to those who showed you the right way. Big time loyalty to the head coaches that you've worked for. Love how you advocate your players. I really love everything about you. You're an elite coach and person. I thank you for sharing your story tonight and helping so many young coaches today. Appreciate you for having me, Joe, man. And congratulations. You're killing this. I've told you that a couple times. <laughs> I'm your killer. And salute to Lil JJ. Well, I appreciate you being in my life and all the best to you and your family and the Central Michigan squad this season. Appreciate you. Thanks, Smoke. Amen. That was a great conversation with Coach Marlon Smoke Williamson. Here are my notes from Coach Smoke. Detroit is my foundation. Failure is not an option here. Relationships grow from trust. Championship level is the only thing that we accept here. Man, some exciting things are going on at Central Michigan. Learn your head coach on recruiting. Stay on punishment. Our house is our paint. Can't have any company. What an incredible defensive mindset. Wow. Smoke. Thank you for sharing. Conquer the moment. I am living my dream with my eyes open every day. My wife is a superwoman. Be true to yourself. Smoke. Salute, my friend. You are indeed the real deal. Thanks, Coach Marlon Smoke Williamson, for sharing your story. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you are currently listening. And we are everywhere. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Drow. 
Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Stay safe, be you, keep coaching, and see you on the next episode of the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast.